Hello and welcome to the Keto Man's Club podcast. We're glad you're here, where each week we talk about men's health and lifestyle. We do so with the foundation of the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. If you don't know what keto is, stick around and you'll find out. The podcast will bring you real honest fun. Each week we strive to uncover the tips and tricks that you can use in your everyday life to maximize your overall health and find the clearest path to becoming the best version of yourself that you were meant to be. Hello and welcome to this week's episode, this week's special episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. My name is Chris. As uh, always, I'm, I'm here, but I'm, I'm joined by a, a slightly different crew today. Um, Alberto's with me here in my office, and we are joined by Keto Man's Club member David Blaco here in my office as well. We just got done doing a, uh, a great workout uh, together, uh, just kind of doing um, one of the beginner's workouts actually for the keto yeah, muscle was, intelligence, uh, right? Keto muscle intelligence, uh, advanced day one, week one. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a good, good workout for sure. And so, uh, and we're, you know, funny enough, we're actually talking today with one of the guys behind the keto muscle intelligence program. So we're talking with Danny Vega. We've got him finally, we're able to, to nail down the schedule <laughs> and get that worked out. Welcome to the show, da- Danny. Dude, thank you for having me so much, man. I know it goes without saying, but I always tell you, you are my personal superhero. Um, obviously, for anybody who doesn't know, Chris is my my uh, podcast manager, editor, uh, therapist. Um, so, so I'm happy to be here, man. I'm not sure how much therapy, but I at least do therapy on the computer side. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we're, we're glad to have yes. you. So, so for those that aren't familiar with us, uh, w- give us a really quick rundown of who you are. Um, you and, and, and just for those listening, there are, you know, we, we, Danny has been on many, many podcasts, both as guests and he has his own podcast called the fat field family that you, you should totally check out and subscribe to please, because it's really good stuff. But uh, that's where you can get his the really nitty gritty of who he is. But uh, Danny, go ahead and give us a quick intro of who you are, what what you do, and and all of that. Sure thing, man. My name is Danny Vega. I am a lifelong athlete. I played college football. I was a collegiate strength and conditioning coach, and um, for the past three and a half years, I've been following a ketogenic um, diet. Really, after the first year, was much more carnivore based, and my focus is mainly on how to build muscle and, and you know, improve your performance on a ketogenic diet. But I also love talking about being, being a better human being, um, focusing on the family. Um, we talk about on our podcast, everything from nutrition and fitness to our parenting style, our unschooling with our boys. And um, that's pretty much me in a nutshell, man. It's all about my kids, my wife, um, my spiritual life, my training and that's pretty much my my top priorities yeah you have I, I it has nothing to do with luck because you have placed yourself in such a place to be able to be on your own doing uh doing this and being self-sufficient inside of that um so we mentioned it with the keto muscle intelligence give us a really quick rundown of what that is for those people that might be interested in uh, that type of thing. Yeah, because they haven't heard enough from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they haven't heard enough from Berto. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you, Berto has been like one of our biggest, you know, cheerleaders, and I'm, I'm just so happy because I really think that 
when you got the right nutrition and he's got the right nutrition, and then when you learn about execution, which is really the, the number one focus of keto muscle intelligence, I would say it's twofold. It's number one, learning how to take into consideration this new diet that takes out carbs, which is, you know, a very large part of bodybuilding and trying to understand how can we match our diet with these new considerations of not having carbs in a system. And so that's the first part. And then the second part, which is probably more important than anything, more important than a carb up, more important than, I mean, probably not more important than eating enough, but it's executing. So like mm-hmm. learning how to truly challenge your muscles versus going into the gym, doing a bunch of different exercises and just kind of living this uh, life of not having any real mindfulness in your training. And we try to kind of show people how to um, first build stability. And after you build stability, um, learn how to basically challenge your muscle at every length of the contraction. And um, it's, it's great for women. It's great for men. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of people who've had success. And now we're starting a coaching platform, which is going to be focused on not only what I spoke about, but when I introduce myself, you know, becoming a, a better human being, learning how to plan your life and optimize your life versus just like, we're not just going to be body transformation coaches. We're going to be, you know, helping people um, improve their mindset, have, you know, the mindset of a champion and um, just become a better human being. Cause when you, you figure out all the nutrition, you figure out all the training, then, you know, you can actually be the person that you're supposed to be. And then you can get to work changing the world. And that's honestly, truly the, the goal for us. Very, very cool. Well, um, let's, the, the topic of, of what I really wanted to bring you on, and, and we may re- return to the fitness stuff because I think that's laced in all of this, uh, for at least for you especially. Uh, but one of the, the things that I wanted to focus on with you is that uh, you, you said it earlier, your, your focus uh, very largely is trying to make yourself and your, your, your family, your boys specifically, the absolute uh, best human beings that they possibly can be. So um, tell us a little bit about your mindset on family, about fatherhood, and then we'll kind of go from there. I'll pass it off to the other guys so that they can think a little. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I think with me, I'll be honest, like I have boys, so um, I don't know what it is to be the father of a girl, but I would definitely say that there are a lot of, there's a lot of overlap, but there are some specific considerations. Like when I wrote down my top five priorities for my life, like several years back, when I got to the boys, um, the number one thing for me was I want to raise boys who become men of virtue with high emotional intelligence and a desire to serve others. And that's the number one thing, you know, creating, um, trying to offset all the, the crappiness in this world by bringing better humans into the world. And, and that's really the best way to change the world. Like I, 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 you know, I tried to change the world in different ways and I realized that there's lots of things out of our control, but what's in our control is number one, the way we live our lives and the behavior that we model for our boys. Um, number two is, is creating situations and an environment that challenges them and consistently turns it up a little bit over time, you know, in a, in a, in a sustainable way so that one day I can pass the torch to them and, and tell them they are men because, you know, that is a crucial part of someone growing up is, you know, you have to have parents who 
are challenging you and putting you in situations that, um, you know, expose you to adversity. And you have to earn that right to be a man because you can, you can kind of just coddle someone and then tell them, you know what, you're a man now, you're, you're ready to go. But if, if that's not rooted in like true challenges and, and if they didn't really earn it, that's also kind of harmful. Not as harmful as the other uh, alternative, which is something that I learned about, you know, probably 10 years ago when I first read, maybe even longer. I first read uh, Wild at Heart, a book by John Eldridge, which really changed everything for me because I hadn't had kids yet, but I really thought about this, like, what is the, the central question of a man? And the, the central question at the heart of everything is, do I have what it takes to be a man? And um, all of us ask ourselves that question, whether we know it or not. And our childhoods kind of inform that. So if your child doesn't have these opportunities where you're challenging them, whether it's going on hikes or whether it's going hunting or doing things that challenge them and, and finally incremental rites of passage where it comes to a point and you finally say, you're the man, you know, you are ready. You don't need me anymore. I'm here, but you don't need me. Um, what that creates is, is these different false selves, you know? And so, you know, you injure your child by not, you know, passing that torch on and then either they become the ladies man or they become the coward or they become the callous you know bully and there's all these different versions of you that that are not your your ultimate potential of yourself and so I'm always kind of aware of that and so for my boys um, you know we put we have morning routines with them we have evening routines with them we're always having conversations with them and we're trying to share that with everybody because we really believe that all of this is integrated. Like you can't just focus on the diet. You can't just focus on their fitness. You can't just focus on their academics. All of it is in synergy with each other. So how we parent, how we educate them, um, what we're doing with their time, how we're giving them freedom to explore things and, and kind of make mistakes and, and come to conclusions on their own. And that's really the goal of my life, man. That, that, that's pretty much, you know, kind of how we view parenting. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, being a father of a nine-year-old and six-year-old daughter, and now an almost nine-month-old boy, uh, all that I can add to that is uh, when you have girls, it, it's all that, but you worry and panic more because the world we live in, and it, it just makes things complicated. You know, you worry for them. I mean, I worry for my son as you worry, probably worry for your sons, your sons as well. But w when they're girls being a father and, you know, being the role model and, and, you know, they view me as a superhero. So it's like, I try to do everything I can to live up to that. And it just, it just adds the level of stress and in day-to-day -day life. And it was, um, I don't know, years ago, I was just at some random party. We got this, I knew a conversation with a bunch of people and this one lady actually said something that resonated with me ever since. And she was saying that, you know, she's like, her dad could do everything. You know, if, if she wanted a dollhouse, he'd build a dollhouse. She wanted a treehouse, he'd build a treehouse. She wanted a shelf, he'd build a shelf. If her car broke down, he'd fix it. And and in her mind, like, she's like, that was the expectation. She's like, so when I started dating, mind you, she was in her 30s at the time. She's like, when I started dating and, you know, things started getting serious as I started getting older, she was like, I would meet these guys and, you know, we'd, we'd start talking. And she's like, it actually, like, shocked me when I would meet a guy who, like, couldn't assemble furniture or I'd meet a guy who... You know, didn't didn't care too much about, you know, his environment or his health. She's like, because that's how I grew up. And that's the environment that, you know, I, I was I was raised in. She's like, she's like, and that's just the expectation that I grew up with. 
So that always stuck with me. So I, I, around my kids, especially, I try to do the best of everything I can. And I'm not good at everything. I'm good at very few things, to be honest. But uh, I, I do try my best to try to be very mindful. And we do have a program with them and we get them out of their comfort zones. Uh, we put them in swim, which it was dragging them to the pool every week for you know professional swim instruction. For about the first six weeks, these kids were just did not want anything to do with the water. And I mean, now, you know, they've gotten used to it. They jump in the pool like nothing. You know, we have we don't have to worry about them falling into a pool anymore, which is the goal. But now they're getting bored yeah. to swim. So now we're off to find the next challenge. And we're thinking martial arts or probably soccer or something like that. But uh, yeah, it, it never it never ends. And, and your game doesn't stop when you become a father. Man, such good points, because like people need to be comfortable with the idea that your child is 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 probably going to lose interest in something. And, you know, for us, it's hard. Like, you don't want him to do it mid-season. You want him to, like, at least finish the season and then find something else. But it's totally okay to do that. And the other part of it is, you know, not only applicable to boys, but to girls, is how are you treating your wife? You know, how are you treating your mother, the women in your life? Because, number one, you know, there's a big danger of, of raising jerks, you know, if it's your boy. And if it's your daughter, now she has a skewed view of, of what relationships look like if you're not treating their mother like she's an absolute queen and not showing what it looks like to, to be with someone that truly values you. So um, I truly appreciate like what you go through as a father of girls. And, um, you know, we don't have the same exact concerns, but we also have concerns with um, we just had the sex talk. Um, with Desmond not that long ago because kids were already mentioning sex and he didn't know what it was. And, and so we had to talk to him about that. And of course, if you're going to talk about sex, you have to eventually get to the subject of rape and, and, you know, consent and all these things and teaching our sons, like you're likely going to be stronger than this woman. And you have to understand that everything starts with consent and all these things. So they're like complicated conversations, but the, the concerns are, are just as real, they're just a little bit different. Just, just to add to that quickly on the end, I, I think a lot of people underestimate, and I don't know how old your son is, but we've had the conversation, or the beginning of that conversation with my nine-year-old daughter, and a lot of people underestimate what kids are capable of understanding. And it, it yeah. is a very uncomfortable conversation, but you know, it came up with my daughter, and then we started talking about it. My wife is very open about that kind of stuff. I'm still, it's hard for me because she's a girl. <laughs> it's a Latin thing, man. And we don't want to talk about it. Latin people don't want to talk about it. And my parents and Maura's mom was like, what? You had the conversation? And we had to remind her, like, Maura, you know, she became a woman fairly early. And you had that conversation with her when she first had her, you know, started to go through some changes. And that was only one year away from where we are with Desmond. Desmond's eight years old. He asked me about um, conception two years ago. And I told him about conception, but it wasn't like, he just learned about penises going into vaginas and he was like, <gasps> you know, and before it was like, you know, there's a sperm that fertilizes an egg. It's a lot more, you know, it's more, uh, it was scientific, not, yeah, it's more scientific. And also just kind of like you, it's abstract because you're thinking of like, okay, I get that. There's a sperm that goes into an egg, but how does that get there? You know? So yeah, it's, it's a Latin thing, man. I think Latin people, we, we, we don't as much, we aren't as comfortable having those conversations. Well, I got. I'll follow up. I think. I think Berto hit on a, a tough, uh, great point. Right. So many people want to treat their kids and coddle kids like they don't understand, 
And I'm a parent of two. I have a <sighs> daughter that's turning 21 next month. And my son turns 17 this month. Wow. Um, and I've always treated my kids like little people, even even at a young age. Yeah. You know, when, when, when we had to have all those talks, when we had pets and the first time one of their pets, uh, you know, passed away. Right? What happened to what happened to my pet? Well, your pet died. This is the circle of life. This is how things work. And I had coworkers who were like, you told your child that the died? Like, well, is that not what happened? Right? This this is the world. Yeah. And you can't hold truth from them. No. And and I, I think that's great that both of you hit on that. Because that for me as a parent, um, that's critical. That's thing I that's the thing I tell young parents who ask me questions about raising kids is just treat them like little people, tell them the way it is, tell them, tell them what it is and the way it is and why it is. And let them understand. They will understand. Starts from when they're babies. Like we we talk to them. Don't don't baby talk. You know, talk to them as human beings. And then the, as they grow older, you know, we think of them in a certain way. But if you just go back to when you were a kid, and you just remember, like these people think I'm stupid. You know, like they're not dumb. Like you said, we need to expect more of them. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So something that that. And this was my reality. I didn't grow up with a father in the house my, my entire life. Being adopted and, and with, with my situation, it, it was uh, rather unique in that regard, where I, I didn't have a, a role model in my home uh, of what it was like to be a dad. So that treat your your wife as a queen to, you know, I, I, I didn't get that example. And to be very honest, as as a married man now, I find that there are times whenever I have really bad habits that, you know, I just never developed the good habits. And so there are times whenever I think about things in a different way, I hope that most of the time I've gotten past most of that, but it, it, there are times whenever I still catch myself. And so having that really good example, uh, what are some of the other, you know, there are so many men, uh, that either boys or, or, or men, men now that, that have, grown up without a father let's let's talk a little bit about the importance of a of a father in the house and 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 that that role a little bit deeper um from your perspective what what has that been like uh you know you you had a very strong dad in the house right yeah i did um but my two best friends didn't um my one of my best friends dad was similar to my dad um a cocaine addict and he didn't, he didn't do what my dad did. You know, my dad picked us over cocaine. He got to a point, luckily my mom was a Catholic school girl that, you know, was just terrified of divorce and she gave him a second chance. And luckily, you know, he, he took that opportunity and he ran with it and he became the best dad ever. But my two best friends didn't have that father figure. So just because you don't have a father figure, um, and this can be for like either for a child not to have a father figure, it's, it's not optimal, obviously, but you have, number one, you have to look for mentors. Like my dad bought both of my best friends basketball shoes when we played basketball because they needed them. And my dad took my friends, they were like my brothers. And the other thing that I have to just be 100% honest about is, you know, you guys know where I stand, I'm Christian. And, you know, God is our father, you know, and, and he is the ultimate father regardless and so if you don't have a father figure truly you don't have that um real world physical father figure which again is not optimal but at least for example like what you went through Chris is like you you're mindful of it 
So at least you're mindful of it because we have to be, we have to acknowledge our traumas. We all have traumas and we all are going to screw up our kids. I mean, we're not going to do it on purpose. We're going to like Brian, uh, we're not, when Brian and I used to, Brian Williamson, you know, Evangelist used to have um, our podcast and we used to have these talks about stuff. He's like, you have to basically pick and choose which neuroses you're going to give your child, <laughs> you know, like, like they're going to, there's going to be something because you can't disconnect from the trauma that not only you went through as a child, but I truly believe that if we're thinking about like, what is a generational curse? It really truly is just genetic memory passing on traumas from generation and generation. And this is why a lot of people, like, it seems like they can never move forward because they don't, they don't acknowledge the trauma and they don't acknowledge what that trauma did to like kind of change them as a human being. And then they could never truly be proactive. So, I mean, a father figure, whether it's your true father, which is obviously optimal or a, a, a mentor is so important for giving that person, you have to have a grounded relationship with your child. Like if your child is coming home, and, you know, you think about the, the stresses that kids are going through, you know, teenagers are trying to kill themselves more than ever, which is just crazy. Um, you have social media now where everybody's comparing themselves to the fake version of someone else. These kids have unprecedented uh, pressures and unprecedented ease of life. So, you know, the feelings of, of entitlement and all of these other things that come with the modern world that we live in, you have to, you have to kind of be aware of that, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I think about that. Like it's, it's important to just be aware of, the, of your traumas and, and work on yourself and, and at least attempt to not pass that on to your kids. I, I will follow up to say I was very fortunate that my family was also involved in church, in church my entire life. And there were, many incredible men that poured themselves into me, uh, whether it be through our like scout thing that we had in the assembly of God called Royal Rangers or just, uh, pastors and, and leaders that, that were around, uh, me at throughout my, my life, they did pour into me. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have had surrogate fathers that were spiritually minded that have been able to come alongside me and help fill a lot of those, those voids. But even as an adult in the last two years, uh, and, and Danny, you're in my inner circle, so you already know this. Yep. But, um, I've actually yep. had to, to go through some, some therapy to address issues that I was having as a man that developed from a father wound more or less, more or less, and, or the, the lack yeah. of a father in this case. Um, and so, there, there's, uh, there are times and places where you have to seek counsel um, and, and get help, uh, both as an adult and, and as a child. But some of the things that, that I went through could have been mitigated on some level uh, if the situation was different. But that's life, and you move on, and it's all good. Um, again, you pick your neuro neuroses. I could have been far, far worse off. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about what you, uh, do with your, your boys, um, on a daily basis. Uh, some of the routine that you, you try to set intentionally. Let, let's talk about. Them. Oh, I absolutely love this subject. I, Cause you know, it's all about practice. You know, the theory 
the series is great. And, you know, talking about it to everybody, and then I could very well be talking about what the goals are and then not really truly putting it into practice. And that's, you know, what is a theory without practice is, is dead or knowledge without practice is dead or whatever that is. Um, so we have morning routines and um, I was last year very much involved with Desmond's morning routine. Um, this year, I had to make a decision to not be a part of that morning routine anymore because I remember going back to when I was a medical device rep and I would be gone by the time they woke up, I was gone. And then I'd come home and, um, and we'd spend quality time together, but I was so much more productive. Um, and you know, now that I have to be mindful of my time and, and, you know, it's not like I'm on, you know, salary. I, I have to, everything that I, that I make, I have to make it myself. So I've decided to let Maura take over the morning routine, which is on one end, you know, kind of sucks, but it's just the reality. They're in good hands with her, obviously. Um, so they wake up in the morning. Desmond has been meditating now. So Desmond is using the Calm app. There's Calm Kids. They got kids meditations, um, which he absolutely loves. We do workouts at least three days a week. So he'll do pull-ups, push-ups, calisthenics. We go on walks, um, jujitsu four days a week. So having all of these things, and, and I, David, or, or, and also uh, Berto actually mentioned this um, about the, the swimming and the kicking and screaming and all that. And it's really interesting to me that, so we go on hikes and we do things that we challenge them. And um, it's so interesting to see that these kids, um, it's not always this way, but sometimes it's like you're on whatever it is that you're doing. And you have to go into it with these expectations and knowing that they're probably going to complain. They're probably going to, you know, start to like after it gets difficult. And I'll give an example of this. So one time me and Desmond uh, went on a hike and I, and I, this day I said, you know what, my goal for today is to have Desmond develop a mantra. Because I know that for m in my life, when things got hard, um, I learned about mantras and I learned that the power of a mantra um, and the power of, of really like shaping your life and shaping your world by what you think and what you say to yourself and what you say out loud. So for example, like last night, I was about to fall asleep and I started to get all this anxiety. I still get anxiety about presenting as much as I love it. It's like, you're going to mess up. You're going to do this. And I was like, I caught myself and the ability to catch yourself and not let those thoughts infect you is so important. And so when Desmond and I went on this hike, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go on this hike with the intention of getting lost, which is super easy for me because I have the worst sense of direction ever. <laughs> and so like, you know, about an hour in, we got lost and I was tracking and we were already about like, you know, right around three miles in on a pretty decent, not too rough of a terrain, but you know, for every step I take, it's like two steps for Desmond. And I started to say, okay, now it's getting hard. And I started to see him start to do this, uh, uh, you know, like little things like that. And, and I was like, okay, this is about that time. I said, Papi, right now, what I want you to do is I want you to develop a mantra. A mantra is something that you tell yourself when things get hard to really push through these things. And so I said, I just want you to think about what you want to say to yourself. And so I was kind of ahead of him and he was right behind me. And I heard him whispering and I just was like, what is he saying? And I'm like, oh, he's, he's practicing 
different mantras and seeing, you know, which one kind of makes sense for him. And then finally, like after a few minutes, he's like, I got it. I was like, okay, what is it? He's like, you got this. Nobody's better than you. <laughs> That's what his mantra was. And I was just like so overjoyed, man. And he still remembers that mantra. I asked him about it the other day. Like, do you remember your mantra? And um, so these things, these are the things that when, when it gets hard, when you're tired and when you're like, today's not the day, I don't want to do this today. Yes, it is, man. Number one, because tomorrow's not promised. And number two, because knowing the human tendency to drift and let time go by, you have to have a sense of urgency because if you don't, you're, you're just, you're just going to put it off. You're going to put it off. Yeah, I'll get to this later. All of a sudden, they're at this pivotal age, which is like, you know, 11, 12 years old, which to me, I think that 12 years old is probably one of the most magical ages ever because if we look into history, we look at people like Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin. These guys had businesses at 12 years old. You know, children are capable of so much and we don't give them the credit that they deserve. And so like in our house, there's never, what do you want to be when you grow up? That is never a conversation that we have. It's always what problem do you want to solve? And right now is, is the time to start. Like our, my son at five years old wanted a bearded dragon. So I said, okay, you want a bearded dragon, you need to start a business. And I said, what can you do? And at the time he was going to um, the Boys and Girls Club for his soccer. And so he's like, I want to make um, dream catchers. And I was like, wow, so you want to make dream catchers and sell them. So we bought like from Amazon, like feathers and, you know, some of the, the stuff that you put on it. And he would collect sticks from the right outside the boys and girls club when he was doing the soccer and he sold dream catchers and he made different shapes, which I, which I thought was kind of cool because it was like, we, we, we haven't spoken about this, but we're unschoolers and people are always like wondering like, how do you, how do they learn things if you're not teaching them? And you realize that learning is so natural that these kids, like this kid's doing shapes, you know, like he's doing squares, triangles, circles. And he made like, 250 bucks within a few weeks and he was able to get the terrarium the bearded dragon and he named his company galaxy dream catchers which i think is one of the coolest names ever and i told him that if you ever just whatever business you do i think you should keep galaxy galaxy dream catchers because i just think it's awesome um so yeah that's the type of stuff that we do with them i'm trying to think if there's anything else oh very very important um building resilience also means being prepared for different situations. I always tell my boys that for you to be considered, quote unquote, a nice guy, you have to be strong. You can't be a nice guy if you're weak. If you're weak, you're being nice because you're weak. And so if you don't have the option to be nice or to crush someone and, you know, to, you know whatever it is, then you're not truly nice. You're just kind of being timid because you know that the consequences, you're, it's not going to work out well for you. So what does that mean? That means that if someone were to challenge you, you have to know how to defend yourself. And so perfect example, there's a kid on our block that's uh, kind of a new kid. He's 12 years old. He's four years older than Desmond. And this kid is, I mean, I have a lot of words that I can use to describe this kid uh, messing with my son. And he came crying into my house like last Thursday. And, um, 
I, I have, when I have these conversations, the, these type of like man focused conversations with my boy, I don't want anybody around. I take him into a private room and I talk to him and I told him, listen, um, do you want me to, you want my advice? Yes, you do. Okay. This is what I suggest you do. Go back, right back out there and tell him, stop, <laughs> stop messing with me or there will be consequences. And then I was like, I want you to, he- I want to hear what you're going to tell him. And he's like, well, stop messing with me. Because if you do, no, 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 stop messing with me or there will be consequences, period. All right. So he's like, okay. He goes out there, tells the kid, stop messing with me or there'll be consequences. The kid messed with him again. He freaking put him in a rear naked choke. Kid four years older than him. And the kid, he didn't finish him because the kid kind of was like flailing around. But then he, he ran away and, um, and then sure enough, funny enough, the next day he came to my house to come play with him again. And he almost like he was now all of a sudden he was nice, but then another few days came by again and he started messing with him again and just being very mean spirited. Like Desmond fell off of a scooter and he was like, Oh, that's too bad. And things like that. I was like, okay, Desmond now. And I'm sorry for anyone who's listening to this, but this is how I do things. You could do things your way, but in my house, this is how I did things growing up. And this is how I do things with my boys. Um, It doesn't matter if you're big or you're small, people need to totally forget about that. I told my son, it has nothing to do if you're big or small. It has everything to do with people um, considering you weak. Um, Because when they see weakness, that's when they mess with you. That's just kind of the natural thing. People are gonna mess with with people. It's the path of least resistance. The same reason why a lion goes after a cub or a wolf goes after a young animal, because it senses weakness. I mean, I had a kid in my high school who was like 6'3", 230 pounds, and he was made fun of and, 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 you know, picked on because he was basically weak. And so I told him that, and I told him the other thing is that, you know, you can't let them see you hurt. And I told him about this one experience I had with a kid that always messed with me. I sucker punched him in PE, and he's like, after school. And so we fought after school, and he beat the crap out of me. And here I was sitting on the curb of my school, waiting for my dad to pick me up, wearing a white T-shirt that was full of mud and blood. And I didn't cry until I got into the car. And I said, I want you, I don't want you to not feel feelings, but I don't want you to show that to them. Again, this is how I do things. This is how I view it. Um, and, and, you know, this is the type of stuff, the conversations that I have with my kid, because he's not like me. He's an angel. He is this kid is an angel. I am not a nice person. I'm not a good person inside. Like I had to go through anger management when I was a kid. I was very violent and everything. And I said, I don't want you to be like me, but I want you to understand these principles and take those into your life. And, and then a day later, after all this happened, he came up to me and he said, you know, puppy, I love you. You know, and I could see it in his eyes that, that he was truly appreciative of the love in our house. And, and to me, that's, there's nothing more important than that because you can mess with me, man, but don't mess with my kids, you know? And it's so hard as a parent, you know, because you want to get involved. You know, you want to get involved. And Mauda wants to go out there and, and mess with them. And I'm like, Mauda, you stay your ass inside the house because this is his battle and we cannot fight his battles. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of the challenges of life is, you know, raising your kid in a way that don't be afraid. Like uh, I think David said about, you know, coddling them and protecting them. They have to go through this because I said, Buppy, you are going to be on your own one day. You're not going to have me because the kid was saying, what? Well, the only person he's scared of is me. 
And I'm like, I don't care if he's scared of me. He, he needs to respect you. He may not be scared of you, but he needs to know that if he does something that he's going to, he's going to get some consequences. Absolutely. And Danny, um, you're not the only person out there raising their kids this way. <clears throat> I look at it the same way and I'm actually kind of sad to see some of the people that aren't raising their kids this way, but I know everybody has their own style. Um, I've yeah. done the same thing with, with my kids. As I said, my son's turning 17 here soon, but he's had to face a bunch of adversity growing up and um, sports played a big role in his life. And, and I know some of the topics that came up here about mentorship and, and learning to be a man, I think, I think sports, whether it's even for a boy or a girl, having those coaches and those people in their lives can offer some of that. But additionally, you know, teaching them to fight their own battles, as you mentioned, and then supporting them in the society that doesn't seem to support that structure anymore. So my son, he was at school. People were picking on him. He told him to leave him alone. He walked away. They came back to him. He told him to leave him alone. They walked away. He then came at him and they came at him. So he doubled the kid over and put him in a standing guillotine hold, held him there for a few minutes, <laughs> and then told him, pushed him off of him and said, leave me alone. And the kid came at him again. So he put his knee in his gut, bent him over and put him in another standing guillotine. But that ended up with the principal. The principal calls home, gets a hold of my wife. And they're, you know, he used martial arts and blah. And she says, I'm fully aware of this situation. And he used martial arts to defend himself. And that's okay. Yeah. And so he had to write a paper for the school. When's the appropriate time to use martial arts? So I asked him, what are you going to say? He says, I'm going to say when somebody's attacking me and I need to defend myself, as was the situation now. And I'm like, fine, I support. That's exactly what happened. And we support that. And so did his martial arts instructor and everybody else. But that's a critical component as well, just supporting them in this society that doesn't seem to support um, the right to stand up for yourself anymore. Yeah. And the other thing is I want people to understand that this does not apply to words. If someone's hurting you with words, I don't think that's that warrants. Sometimes, like, if it's really hurtful, then, you, you know, you're going to lose your temper. But, like, we're not out here telling people to every time someone tells you something you don't want to hear, to, to go punch them or to put them in a chokehold. Um, but sometimes, you know, sometimes the words can be very, very hurtful. And sometimes maybe it gets to a point where, where even words, you know, necessitate you getting punched in the face because, you know, the problem is, especially going back to social media, that we live in a world now where you can anonymous, anonymously um, say something to someone. And I, th I think you guys know the, um, <laughs> the, the guy who wrote um, the Conan, the Conan the Barbarian books. He has a very, very interesting quote um, that basically it's Robert E. Howard in 1930s. Well, he died in 36 and he says, Civilized men are more discourteous than savages because they know they, will, they can be impolite without having their skull split. And this is the world we live in where you can be uh, on social media and talk crap to someone and not get punched in the face. And, you know, that's not what I'm going to teach my kids because, you know, up until a certain point when you get older, then you have to start worrying about people pressing charges and things like that. But, um, you need to defend yourself and, you know, to, for you to raise a child who's docile and, and then expect them to be able to defend themselves, like all of a sudden switch it on when they turn 18, it's not going to work. Absolutely. 
And, and, and as you mentioned, it's not all about physical defense. Sometimes it is defending yourself verbally and, and having that, having that quicker wit being the bigger, Mm -hmm. the bigger person, the bigger man, if you will, right. We're talking about men here, the bigger man. Um, My son plays roller hockey. Um, This was one of those. So I think Berto mentioned dragging him, kicking his screaming and Danny, you mentioned not letting him quit in the middle of the season. And I applied the same practice to my kids when they chose to play a sport. It's like, okay, well, you know, do you want to just do this martial arts and see where it goes? Or do you want to work to become a black belt? I want to work to become a black belt. Okay. You've just made a commitment to become a black belt. Right. Great. And that's going to take this long. Now, had they eventually really pleaded that they were so dissatisfied, I would have let them quit. But when they were, when it got hard, especially they got right down to black belt testing. They had like six months left. My son's like, I'm done. No, you're not. You you made that commitment to be a black belt. You've only got like six a couple months years in by left. this point. Yeah, you're you've been in doing this for years. Why would you want to quit with only six months left? Just because this is hard? It's time to dig deep and persevere. Yeah, and man. when it came time, he wanted to, to play some other sports. He got into seventh grade and chose to play roller hockey. He'd only been in a skating rink two times in his life. I'm like, dude, you don't even know how to skate. He's all, that's okay. I I will learn. And he's played roller hockey for five years now. And in this roller hockey situation, this is a a long circling story to get back to the point. He went to go. They have two teams for the high school that he plays for. They're they're clubs, but they're broken up into two teams at two different divisions, right? There's an upper division, lower division. He's in the lower division team. And he goes into the, the locker room. His locker room was full. Both goalies from both teams were in that locker room. So he goes in the other locker room and, like the team captain for that team looks at him and says, what are you doing in here? You're not on this team. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm in here changing because there's no room in the other locker room. And this is a school locker room, right? This is, this is not a team locker room. We all go to the same school. And, and they're like, well, you, you need to get out of here. And he's like, no, I need to change and get ready to go out and play my game. And, and the, the captain looks at me and says, you know, this is why people don't like you. And my son looked at him and said, oh, no, well, my son looks at him and says, because I will stand up for my rights. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and he continued changing. Yeah, wow. So on something so important, the, the confidence that they get when, again, when they're rooted and they're grounded in their relationship with their parents, that builds confidence. Because, again, these kids are under a lot of stress. You know, we haven't even talked about, like, testing and schools and the pressure that they're under. And for them to be able to come home, like I said with Desmond, he's going to, I'm not going to be able to protect him from adversity, but I am going to be able to provide a safe and good environment at home and give him the love that he needs and the tools that he needs so that he could face that adversity. Just like, you know, Jim Rome says, you know, don't ask for life to be easy. Ask for yourself to be, you know, able to handle that. And that's our job. Absolutely. So yes, kudos to you. I think everything you're doing, you know, lines up with creating, uh, your boys to, to step out into the world and face those, those moments, those adversities and, um, and stay strong and have the confidence to do so. Yeah, Thank Danny. You. Yeah, absolutely. Danny, you're doing, you're, you're being a great, uh, example for sure to, uh, to other parents, uh, hopefully, but especially to your boys, most, most importantly to your boys. Uh, so I, I Thank most you, certainly I appreciate, uh, it. appreciate that. Um, you are at the keto summit right now, so we want to get you back to those activities. Thank you so much for carving out some time to, to sit down with us 
uh, in, in chat, and we're going to continue uh, a, little bit, a little bit of banter on our side, but thank you so much for joining us. Um, go ahead and give us a, the real quick rundown on how people can connect with you online, um, and, uh, and then, we'll, then you can kind of do your thing. Well, thank you so much for having me, man. This was an awesome conversation. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. So thank you guys so much. Um, on Instagram, dannyvega.ms, D-A-N-N-Y-V-E-G-A.ms. And then our website is www.fatfueled.family. And that's where our podcast is that our amazing uh, producer creates and fixes our audio when it's terrible. And... Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, if they if people are interested in Keto Muscle Intelligence, they can follow at Keto Muscle Intelligence on Instagram, and that'll get you access if you want to get a free document on, on, you know, kind of the five tips on what you may be doing wrong if you're not building muscle on keto, and that'll get you started if you're interested in learning. And then you can get the program from there. You can, you know, purchase coaching and um, and reach out to me. I'd love to talk to anybody about any of these things. Absolutely. Uh, very good. Well, thank you. Thank you again, Danny. We'll, uh, we will be in contact. We could have talked for three hours on this stuff. I'm pretty sure, but I know that your time mm-hmm. is valuable and, and most importantly limited today. So really appreciate you taking that time. Thank you so much, brother. It's my pleasure, man. Yeah, no Take problem. it easy, man. Great conversation. Thanks, Danny. See you guys. Well, uh, it's been great to get to chat with Danny. Any uh, any reflections on what we've talked about, um, Berto? What 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 what's your response on some of this? It was all good stuff. You know, great conversations. Um, all if you're if you're a father in any capacity, um, definitely relatable. So I think we were able to squeeze a very good amount of of information and conversation into a very short amount of time. He's he's an extremely busy person, and he's actually logged off right now to go do an opening ceremony at a keto convention. So he was gracious enough to give us our time, but I think we hit on a lot of great points there. Yeah, absolutely. David. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, we, we approach this from the perspective of raising, raising boys, raising them to be men, but a lot of the topics that we spoke about, right. Just around self-confidence and those things, those apply to your children, no matter which biology, whether, whether they're male or female, uh, raising your kids to meet adversity, to solve problems, to have good self-confidence to stand up for themselves uh, is uh, relevant um, for all your children. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm not likely to be a, a biological father in any form or fashion at this point. Um, I have my my animals and, and that's what's working well for, for my family. But being a... Again, as I mentioned earlier in the, the conversation, I, I didn't grow up with a dad in the house, so it was just my mom and and my my parent, my a team of parents that were both female. They they you know it, it's kind of a weird situation, and and uh, it wasn't anything that most people would associate with that. But it was just kind of how God put our family together. But they did the best that they could with me. But it, it some of those lessons, like the resilience thing. I didn't ever really learn that until I was an adult. And even then there, there, there are times when I struggle with, with not really having learned that on a really super deep level. So I'm, I'm trying to, to learn that in other ways. And some of that is uh, through spending time in the gym or spending time in uh, Kung Fu or uh, Krav Maga. And, And so putting myself into physical stress. And so let, let's talk 
a little bit about that for those that maybe had that didn't go through that rite of passage that didn't go through that growing up what are some of the things that you guys would suggest with um with men to to put themselves through the rite of passage that i believe that all men do to go through to know that they are a man Ooh, that's an interesting it's an interesting topic and and it's actually kind of close to my heart um i think we went over this in the first podcast i was on um, I lost my mother at an early age, um, at age six. I lost my dad at age 13. But I have many brothers and sisters. There are like eight of us in the family. And my oldest brother and I have a 30-year span of age. So old enough to be my father. <laughs> right. Um, but he wasn't really in my life. And then my, my two older brothers, um, because they're 11 and 12 years older than I am, they were moving on with their lives at about the time that I was in those formative years. and this topic just came up this, this weekend. So, you know, um, part of what puts me here with you guys today is coming into the state to see my family. My brother and I were having that discussion about how I still turned out and had a lot of attributes and the characteristics and whatnot that they exhibit, but they weren't a part of my life. And what did that? Is it nature? Is it nurture? And, uh, you know, that, that sort of piece of the topic. So, um, I think a lot of it comes from a, a natural, a natural piece, but for those guys that didn't have it, it's, it's looking at, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out where I'm going to go here. You know, looking at your problem and understanding that that's kind of the way the world runs, right? There will always be difficulties and problems. And the key to that is, is how you face them. Right. So to dig deep, I think in the Keto Man's Club, we talk about it a lot. You have um, you have uh, willpower and then you have discipline. And it's really that I think it digs into that discipline aspect of it. Right. So I'm going to be disciplined enough to dig deep, to look at this, to fight it head on and and um, and persevere. And. I think that in itself, like just if you can grab a hold of that and do that, that that takes you in that kind of passage to that next level. Of, um, you're no longer that that man child. You're you're the man. And to even scale yeah. it back to an even simpler level, like uh, routines. I mean, force yourself into a routine. Everybody, most everybody has to go to work. That, that you know, that's part of the routine. Do you always want to go to work? Probably not. But do you? More than likely. So you'll know, force yourself into routines, you know, before you go to work, find yourself a routine and stick to it in the days you don't want to. And, you know, before you go to bed, make a routine and stick to it before you don't want to. And just forcing yourself to stick to a routine. Once you start going through that suck and just saying, you know what, I don't want to do it today, but I'm going to do it anyways. It, it builds a self-confidence inside that that will eventually uh, snowball into something a lot bigger and better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think that's, that's probably one of my weakest areas is routine because I, I I'm just very, very busy. And I, I'm juggling a lot of different things and I don't say no to enough things. And so my routine gets thrown off a lot because I said yes to something extra or something uh, different. And I have to work on, on that portion because that, that is definitely a type of adversity that you can put your, yourself through to. Well, let's um, go ahead and wrap up any other parting shots that are any final thoughts that you guys want to share? 
I'd like to give a shout out on this episode okay. um, based on this topic of routine. And um, I want to give a shout out to Devin Woodle. So he's, and, and forgive me if I got that last name uh, wrong, but he's been a member of the men's club for quite a long time. He, he tried to start it on the journey and it was a tough go for him. And uh, he jumped into the boot camp, and he has, at least in the last few weeks, been showing that that drive to establish that routine to the point of getting in daily and even doing video changes and hitting that gym and, and pushing through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, kudos to him for for digging in and starting to establish that yeah. um, and uh, working on on building that. And it, was very relevant to the topic we were working here with the routine absolutely and and we knew it going in and he and he was the first to admit that he needed a little bit more of a tough love approach so uh yeah if you think i'm normally blunt with comments <laughs> they're even more so when it comes to him and i won't get into details it's a private group and we don't need to air it out it ain't nothing bad but there, you know he he asked some questions and i just i just give him like one or two word answers that he's got to sit there and ponder it for a little while and then he'll give me his his uh, how he perceived it, and then I'll just kind of like, okay, that's exactly what I was talking about. Oh, okay. And he, he admits he overthinks things, but he's doing great. He's he's sticking to a routine. He's making the better decisions, and uh, he's rocking it right now. Yes, I love it. I think I think he made a comment in the main men's club to post a video over there. Yeah. And I think in that it was in that video that he said he's if there's one thing he's been consistent with, it's been being inconsistent. And so that was a you know that that those are some of those moments you have as you're on the journey. Um, and I think we all have them at some point. Like I know I can resonate with one was for me, a, a pivotal moment was the moment that I looked at somebody offered me a, a sweet treat at work. And they said, I know you're going to tell me, no, thank you. You're, you're going to tell me no. Um, but I feel I have to offer this to you. Right. And I'm like, I, I understand where you're coming from and you're absolutely right. No, thank you. Thank you. But no, thank you. But the person said, cause you can't eat this. And I looked at them and I, I said, well, actually, I can eat whatever I choose to put into my mouth, chew up, and swallow. But but I choose I, I don't eat that anymore. And the I didn't. It wasn't you know. Danny talked about mantras. That wasn't my mantra at the time or anything. It was just words that came out of my mouth in that moment. But all of a sudden, I, it was like you know, it's like holy crap, that was powerful. I don't eat that anymore. And it did become a mantra. When I looked at foods that I needed to abstain from because they were not conducive to my health, my mantra, as Danny was talking about, became, I don't eat that. Absolutely. And we, we all have to find those things for ourselves, whatever, they, whatever that is, whether it be a, a mantra or just that core thought process that's necessary to push through we 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 have to find what works for us it's because it can't be ascribed to you you can't um you can't take what somebody else you know says you can't you use i i don't eat uh that's not going to necessarily work for for everyone else um and uh, it, it, so each one of us has to go through the struggle to find and you know, I have I have one more um, thing I'd like to share. That's it's more from a personal view, but I think it's very relevant to the Keto Man's Club. Uh, I was having a conversation with my eldest brother, and um, he had some health issues, and he drank a lot, and he smoked cigarettes, and neither were conducive to his health. Um, and he, I was having a conversation with him. I found out he's now been like five years free of both. And I shook his hand and congratulated him on like, what was, what was the, the big moment? And he goes, it all started 
I just had it. He goes, I quit cold turkey because in my head, I was like, this just needs to be done. And he goes, got it in my head and I moved forward. And I just, I asked him, I'm like, can I share this? Because we often talk about get your head right. And that's exactly what he was telling me at that moment, right? Got his head right and was like, this is what I'm going to do. And so he went and did yeah, And the important thing is recognizing that moment because that moment could happen. And if you're not going to acknowledge and take action, then it's just another moment. You know, like I've talked about it plenty of times. For me, it was actually Christmas morning three years ago while I was cooking Christmas dinner where it just like in my head, I was like, this has to change. I was incredibly hungover again. My dog had run away. I, you know, I had this big giant roast about to come off the grill. So I couldn't leave the grill. And, and, and I'm just standing in, out in my backyard, like almost feeling helpless because like, this has got to come off the grill. Who knows where the dog is, you know? And, and, and I was just like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I go, something has to change. It has to change right, right now. So finished, you know, pre-keto. So finished uh, cooking the entire Christmas dinner. And I only ate what would be keto in that dinner, which at that time was just, just the protein portion. But that was my moment. I had it. I recognized it. And it was just like, yeah, you know, I could just go ahead and say, yeah, whatever, I'll start tomorrow and I'll just eat dinner and eat all these treats and brownies and whatever else we had that day. But in my head, it just clicked and, and I had to take action at that very moment. And there's been no looking back ever since. Yeah, um, that I didn't have a single moment for for that, but I was coming up on 35 three years ago and I'm like. Okay, I'm at you know, as, as averages would say, I'm at, yeah, I'm hitting my, my midlife at this point because the average age of, of males is seven. So I should probably try to focus on making sure that I can make it to seven. And so some of that was whenever I started on TRT. And then shortly after that, I found keto, found out about, uh, keto through uh, the, the podcast that I've talked about previously and, and finding it. And, and so it wasn't any punk set thought, but there was a, a pivotal moment in my life where my shift, my focus changed. And I, I to make a conscious decision. I am going to improve my life. And I shared this on social media this week. Um, Yesterday, I had um, it, my my every six month blood work for for monitoring my TRT, and we also did an extended pan, blood panel to do basic physical stuff. And my doctor is really good about trying to review everything with me, and and he's just going through. And this is perfect. This is perfect. This is spot on. This is exactly where we want it. It's just straight down everything. And he gets to the A one C, and he says, "You're." 4.6, 4.7, which is definitely in the totally not diabetic at all range, totally normal range. And he's like, you have no idea how many years you have. And just by a, and, and that is the direct result of me getting to a point where I said thus far, no more. I'm going to find something I'm going to it, you know, and I tried a few things up to that point. I'd already, it was a, a very slow panic shifting, you know, steering the, the big ship thing for me at initially. But once I found 
the lever that I had needed, the, the lever that I had been missing all along, which was removing carbs from my, there was a major in, in all of that. And, and I, at this point I'm very well set on the, the absolute best version of myself that I can be so that I can be a good husband so that I can be the best example of what Jesus, you know, is and things like that, because those are what's important to me in my core. So those are, are all things that I'm, I'm going through right now. Uh, refocusing just like, okay, what's the next major shift that needs to happen? What's the new stressor that I need to put myself on intentionally that's going to help me make sleep? forward because i think we all need to do that and reassess excellent conversation and i i'm i hate to cut it off but at the same time uh we can for hours and and it would just become rambling at that point (laughs) it would it would just be long long circles on top of itself at this point yeah well david thank you for joining us uh uh Going back to, to Danny, Danny, thank you so much for 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 joining us today. This was a, a great time that we've been hoping and wanting you uh, to to happen for a while, and and we finally made it. So definitely uh, check out all of his stuff, uh, Danny Vega dot uh, ms uh, Fatfield Family, and uh, they've got Fatfield Kids where they were sharing uh, what what Dean and Desmond are up to on a regular basis. All of that stuff is. Uh, out there and available um so uh check them out uh david how can people connect with you well obviously you can get me in the keto man's club and then on instagram i'm at keto dave five um and that, those are the primary sources for me at this time uh, same thing other than the keto day five part at the keto cholo and uh as always i'm in the group and you can get me on instagram at, at duckman keto and uh, got some really cool stuff coming up down the line for the Keto Man's Club in general. So uh, you should follow us on Instagram at Keto Man's Club Podcast. And you can check out our website, get all of our social links, uh, the show notes, the podcasts, the groups, the Facebook pages. At this point, we've got all sorts of stuff there. Um, so check out theketomansclub.com. So that we can, so that you can connect with us, because we uh, we we want to uh, connect with you in any way, shape, or form. If you have questions or um, questions or comment, uh, you can always call us uh, uh, at five one two five one eight sixty one sixty one. Leave us a voicemail; we'd love to hear from you. And you can also email us at ketomansclubpodcast at gmail dot com. Well, that's it for this week. Until next week, make sure to eat. Lift heavy, sleep, and repeat. Thank you for joining us for the Keto Man's Club podcast. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Would you help us spread the word about the Keto Man's Club by sharing with your friends and family? We're available on all podcast platforms, so just search for Keto Man's Club and you'll find us. If you would like to connect with us, you can do so a number of ways. Our web address leads to our Facebook group, theketomansclub.com. That's T-H-E-K-E-T-O. M-A-N-S-C-L-U-B dot com. 
You can also follow us on Instagram at Keto Man's Club Podcast. Lastly, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out via email to Keto Man's Club Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to hanging out with you again next week.